If he doesn't like you, he like will fly at your head. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Raw Safari. All right, all right. It's that time again. Another episode of Raw Safari. This one gets into some really personal stuff for both my guest and myself, so I'm really excited to get to it. But let's start off with a few quick reminders. As always, make sure you're following along on Instagram and Facebook at Raw Safari. The Instagram is especially busy, with daily pics from zoos all around the country and often additional stories related directly to the podcast. You can also go to www.rossafari.com to find all the stuff people go to podcast sites looking for. Also, I have some merch available at rossafari.redbubble.com, and I have a Patreon set up if you want to support the podcast. There are a lot of cool perks for patrons, including bonus episodes, extra interview footage, and stickers. You can find that at patreon.com slash rossafari. I've also decided I'm going to extend my ratings and reviews for conservation effort for a few more episodes. For every five-star rating you leave this podcast on Apple Podcasts, I will donate $2 to an animal conservation organization. If you're willing to write a positive review along with that five-star rating, I'll up it to $5. Also, everyone who does a positive written review and sends me proof to either rossafaripod at gmail.com or messages me proof on Instagram at rossafari will get to vote on what organization gets the money. If you don't use the Apple Podcast app, you can still leave a rating or review through iTunes. Today, we are heading back down to the Nashville Zoo at Grasmere, where the first three episodes of this podcast took place. I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing Johnny Payne, better known as Zookeeper Johnny, on her popular Instagram page and YouTube channel. The interview gets into her road to her current position and talks about some amazing animals, including opossums, a sassy crow, an adorable porcupine, and of course, the caracal kittens that have taken the zoo Instagram world by storm. You also get not one, but two Rossafari poop stories. However, the thing I think really sets this interview apart is a discussion on the lack of diversity in the zookeeping field and some ideas about what can be done to fix that issue. I mentioned that Johnny is very popular online, and you can find her on all of the major social media platforms and on YouTube, at Zookeeper Johnny. She spells her name J-A-W-N-I-E, and believe me when I say, she is worth the follow. Okay, here is my interview with Johnny Payne. Johnny, hey, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. And uh, why don't you tell the listeners who you are, what you do, and where you do it? Yes, my name is Johnny Payne. I am an outreach specialist keeper at the Nashville Zoo. So I take care of animal ambassadors there. Um, and being an outreach specialist keeper, I specialize in taking the animals off grounds to do um, different programs and 
outreach community um, events and things like that. Awesome. And um, yeah, Nashville is is an amazing zoo. Uh, you are actually the third keeper that I have had on from Nashville. Uh, we had Jake Belair, who I'm guessing you work with pretty regularly. Yeah. And then um, Melinda Kamavangza. And, um, and now you, and it's, it's just, it seems like everyone down there is so conservation focused and so positive that, uh, I just, I kind of wanted to keep it going. Yeah, for sure. I feel like no matter what kind of zoo, if you talk to a zookeeper, everyone's very conservation focused. Um, but especially I think the Nashville zoo and they're growing so much too, that you get a lot of really passionate people that are excited about the zoo growing. Um, and so I think that's why a lot of us have gone there. So that's exciting. And yeah, and I work with Melinda sometimes cause she's one of the vet techs up there. So we have to take our animals down and work with her. She actually was in our department, but she left this department that me and Jake are in before I started. Um, and then with COVID, we actually get split up into teams and Jake and I are a team. So we work together every single day. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Jake, um, Jake was my first episode and, and he's just such a, a passionate dude that as soon as I interviewed him, I was like, oh, I need to open with him. So he's a oh, yeah, great guy. Sure. Great guy. And I'll tell you right now, um, we don't know when yet, but, uh, once, once COVID has calmed down a little bit, both Jake and Melinda have invited me down to meet in person and hang out with some of the animals. And, um, my goal is to have them plus you, if you're interested, uh, Maybe we'll all just like sit around and do like an episode of us just like, you know, shooting the poop together and having some fun. And that would I be think, so fun. I know, right? I think it would be so cool. Plus, I just can't wait to to get to meet uh Wilbur and and some of the other amazing ambassador animals there. Yeah. I need my yes. Kuka selfie. So Oh yes, with Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've heard so many. Yeah, Jake said so many uh, great stories about Adelaide. I just, yeah. I love Adelaide her. is his baby. I like half the birds, not half the birds. There are like several birds there. They are his babies. And yeah, I'm sure you will soon, if you didn't already like get that when you come meet uh, Jake, you'll, you'll definitely see that. Oh yeah. I, I, he, he was pretty clear <laughs> about that. But um, okay. So before we get into your career, you and I have something in common, and um, all of my all of my podcast listeners know this, but I am obsessed with red pandas. And I see you nodding your head. I know that you you have figured that out about me already, um, and I know that you are as well. I but, am. Yes. I I love them so much. So have you? Uh, I assume that you've gotten to hang out with with your pandas um, and and such. Uh, have you had many experiences with that yet? So. Honestly, last year was my first experience. And so I've been obsessed with pandas for a long time. Um, I've been in the zoo field for not like a super long time, but it's been a while. And I finally had my first panda experience. Um, I guess it was like a year and a half ago. It was just after New Year's. And I, I got to meet the red pandas at the Cincinnati Zoo, which I've been able to do that twice now. So you got to hang out with Paul then? Yes. Oh, uh. Paul. That was the first time I ever met Paul. He is amazing. Paul Reinhardt is so great. He is, for those listening, he is, um, I guess, the primary panda keeper at the Cincinnati Zoo. He's been there for like 20 years. I actually just got to meet him last week. Uh, we've we've talked online, but I was at Cincy yeah. visiting, and um, he had to go. Somebody dropped something in the exhibit, and I looked down, and I was like, you're Paul. And it was like meeting a celebrity. And um, I was actually wearing, I have a Rasafari mask that I have made and I was wearing it. And I was like, I'm like pointing at my mask. I'm like, we've talked online. He's like, yeah, no, I know who you are. If COVID wasn't happening, you could come back. Oh my gosh. As soon as this is over, come back, meet all our pandas. And yeah, it's, he's so good. He's such a great dude. 
He is. He's the perfect person to meet an animal with because he has such a passion for animals too. So um, when I went both times, I met up with him to meet the pandas and he just like will tell you anything and everything about these pandas, like who their babies are, who their babies were, where those babies are right now and who they want to have babies. And he'll stop and he'll talk to the guests while he's in there with you. And um, he just, you can clearly see the passion he has for what he does and especially those red pandas. Yeah, it's really amazing. And meeting meeting red pandas, I've gotten to be hands-on maybe six or seven times now with different pandas. And um, yeah, th- there are some perks to, uh, you know, much like with zookeepers, um, how you, when you go to different zoos, you just kind of get to go do all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, between the Instagram and now the podcast, a lot of uh, – I've had a lot of those privileges as well, and it's been um, – it's been amazing. It's really yeah. Cool. So yeah. Social media definitely is an amazing networking thing. Um, cause the first time I actually met the red pandas was through my friend Anderson, who we had only ever talked through Instagram for a couple years. And then she got a seasonal job at Cincinnati and we were talking, she was like, Oh yeah, come and we'll meet Paul and we'll do this. So yeah, like I think most of my behind the scenes, like meetings at other zoos that I don't work at, is through networking through social media, meeting people um, like this, which is amazing. Yeah, it's it's such a cool um, and just loving field, like and and group mm-hmm. of people. Um, you know, I I work in in theater and music and stuff, and there's a lot of that, but there's also a ton of competition and and a t- ton of kind of head cutting. And yeah. from what I found in the zoo world, there's just not that. Everyone's just looking out for the animals and for each other, and it's been really cool to be a, a small part of that. Yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely it's amazing. It's definitely a field full of passionate people. Yeah, I love that. So, tell me how you got into this field. Uh, yeah. So, um, I was talking with my friend not long ago, and I honestly I don't know how I forgot, but when I was looking into going to school, um, I've always been an animal lover, and I was looking into doing like marine biology. And I was also super into taking pictures. And I was like, maybe I can focus in marine photography. But I am from Ohio. I was living in Columbus, Ohio. And I grew up with my grandma and she's getting older. So I didn't want to go anywhere in Ohio State. And a lot of schools in Ohio do not have marine programs, or at least they didn't at the time if they do now. Um, This was back in 06. Um, So a little while ago. Um, So I ended up I don't even, I think I ended up going to school for like pre-physical therapy or something. Not that it's lame, but just like, I thought it was interesting, but it wasn't my passion. Right. Um, so I was doing that and I think I even changed my major again and was doing like criminology, which was something else that was cool and interested me, but again, no passion for that. Um, but I went to the zoo the summer between my junior and senior year and I talked to a couple of the girls that did one of the Animal Encounters Village show which is where my last job at the Columbus Zoo was, as well as Jake, um, before he went on. I think he went to Nashville from, I don't know, I don't remember. But both of us were in that um, department. But that was when I had talked to someone and realized it was kind of, I still didn't get that it was a career at that point, but that it was a job. So I was like, that's cool. So I changed my major. um, And I, my first quarter was a zoo science and management class that was held at the zoo. And it was all things zoo. If you want to do design, you can do it at the zoo. If you want to be a zookeeper, obviously you can do it there. If you're an aquarist, if you, 
or a PR person, like you can still do it at the zoo. So that was when I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, so that's when I started my course into trying to make this a career was my, the summer between my junior and senior year of college. That is, that's a, that's a pretty late start. Did you have to add on any extra years or anything to like get your degree or? It added, I think like a year and a half. Um, cause I was already set. So again, things may be different. Um, but for the most part, like Ohio state, and I'm sure a lot of other schools are like that for the most part, people don't graduate in four years. Um, they get you out in like four and a half or five. So I graduated, I think, in about six years. So it added maybe a year and a half, which wasn't the end of the world. I was okay with school. That's so. cool. Well, and especially when you're at the Columbus Zoo. I mean, come on. That's one of the best in the country. Yeah. Um, my uh, my girlfriend, Zoe, is a vet student at Penn Vet right now and right. is actually doing, as we're recording this, she is doing a vet externship at the Columbus Zoo. Um what an experience. And the stuff she tells me daily is just mind blowing. But then on top of that, uh, since I'm obviously not gigging right now because of COVID, I've been spending a boatload of time there. And it's just, it's one of the best in the country. Yeah. Have you been recently and you've been able to see their new exhibit with the the sea lions? Oh yeah. I, I was there last week. Oh. I was there. The, the sea lions okay. and the new Jack Hanna's um, ambassador village mm-hmm. is just insanity. Yeah, I've Just only insane. I've seen it like through social media and I haven't been able to get up there yet, but I'm so excited to go cuz that's been a part of the 10-year plan. So when I worked there, that was always talked about, but clearly I've done left probably 5 years ago and they're finally getting to it and it's I'm so excited to go see it. It is stupid good. I love it so much. Um I actually uh the last time I was at the zoo last week, it was the end of the day and I had the ch- I was like I could run and see Cora and and General So and the the other red pandas, you know, one more time. But also there are like baby cheetahs here right now. And I ended up never leaving that encounter Uh, village because it was just so good. I will rarely pick something over red pandas, but it was just, I was just so blown away. They have swift foxes, bad-eared foxes, tamanduas. Like it's amazing there. So yeah, Yeah. no, definitely uh, when you get a chance, get back and check it out. Do you still have family in Columbus? Um, I do. I have like some cousins and obviously a bunch of friends and stuff. So that's cool. As long as you have a place to crash. Yeah. You need, you need to get yourself there. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. I'm very excited to go. Very cool. So, um, wow. Growing up with the Columbus zoo. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see where that inspiration came from. Um, so tell me about your path then after school. Did you start off at Columbus or did you, what, what did you do? Yeah. So first, um, Columbus is a really good zoo. So nobody ever leaves. Um, they have a very low turnover rate. Um, and they are pretty good about like if they have interns or seasonals, which that zoo basically runs off their seasonals, um, they'll promote within or they'll kind of move people around, but it still doesn't mean like you're going to get a job. I worked with seasonals, um, that had been there for 10 years. So yeah, I was there for a total of five years within different, um, departments because I was told and what I always tell everyone else, you just need to get your foot in the door. So I obviously just wanted to get a job right off, had no zoo experience. So I just applied for the admissions department. So I did that. And then I moved into the education department, which got me in closer with a lot of the keepers. And then my last two years, I was working with animals. Um, One year was with the education department still, and then finally got into the animal programs department. 
um, doing all the shows and the encounters and things like that. So still seasonal. Um, and so I knew again, because everyone else, there were plenty of people that had been there for years and years and years as a seasonal, I was going to have to leave and go somewhere else to get my full-time experience. So I was just looking around where I could afford to move and how far I could even afford to go. So Texas was kind of my cutoff, like probably that long line down through like halfway across the country, basically. Um, so I took a full-time position in Texas at the Fort Worth Zoo. And that was how I got my full-time experience, which is what you need to get to be able to move on and move up and, and all of that stuff. Sure. So okay. Have- Fort Worth is awesome yeah. though. What a great zoo. I love yeah. it there. Yeah. Uh, was- it's so beautiful. I love there's bamboo everywhere and it's very shady. Like the Dallas Zoo is also amazing, mm-hmm. which I loved being so close to the Dallas Zoo um, because they have a lot of different animals. So we would have Asian elephants at the Fort Worth Zoo, but they have Africans at the Dallas Zoo. Um, so it was like, it's a nice mix up because the zoos are pretty different. Um, the Dallas Zoo, I would say like kind of at least seems bigger. There's a lot more sun though. Um, but I loved how shady the Fort Worth Zoo was. Yes, absolutely. It's so cool there. I um, Yeah, people in the Dallas area have it really good. When I was on tour there about two years ago, uh, in two days, I managed to go to the Dallas Zoo, the Fort Worth Zoo, the Dallas Children's Aquarium, the World Aquarium, I think it's called yeah. in Dallas. And, yeah. And okay. then um, on the way out of Dallas, I was heading up to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and there was a Sea Life Aquarium, one of those mall aquariums, but the ones that are AZA accredited and are actually really good, and mm-hmm. then the Tulsa Zoo. So yeah. in two days, I hit six institutions, all of which were incredible, and yeah. it was um, – oh, and the there was also uh, – I think the Oklahoma Aquarium is also like two hours out of Dallas. So mm-hmm. it is a, a sick amount of animals in that area, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, when you were at Fort Worth, was Timothy there or was this before Timothy the Hippo? Oh, this was uh, before. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, is Timothy new? He is a baby from a couple years ago. He's around uh, – he and Fiona were born around the same time up at oh, Cincinnati. Okay. And okay. Um, there's a whole goofy thing where uh, they will frequently um, – Timothy online will will flirt with Fiona and try to you know it's it's just a cute little thing that they do yeah um okay anyway but so tell me uh, did you have where did you work in Fort Worth like what animals did you work with and did you have any favorites yeah I worked in so I started out as an interpretive guide um, and the only reason I honestly took it was because it still started out the day taking care of the animals but then the whole rest of the day I was out doing keeper chat. What, um, uh-huh. let me interrupt for one second. What, what does interpretive guide mean? Yeah. So that's also what I did for three years at the Columbus Zoo. Um, you usually are out doing the keeper chats or you might like a lot of times you'll see the keepers doing the keeper chat. Um, but we are there to connect people with wildlife or there are interpretive rangers in national parks or state parks. They're there to connect you to the resource, um, to help you develop your passion and to learn about this animal or this resource. and why you should care about it. So that's what I did. I did all the keeper chats. Um, so as an interpreter, we would be there and make you care about these lions or these hippos or whatever it was. Um, so I did that for the first year and I let my managers know um, pretty soon, like I do love this job. And obviously I moved halfway across the country for it. Um, but I want to do more with animals. I would rather be one of the, um, the keepers in the same department. So within a year I had moved 
to the position of an education specialist keeper. So basically the same job that I have now, I just didn't do any off-grounds programming. So we worked with animal ambassadors. Um, So we had opossums have always been like some of my all-time favorite animals to work with. Um, I was obsessed with one named Sunny when I worked there. And I I finally got a tattoo on my leg of Sunny. Um, So I was like, I was very excited (laughs) to get that done. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, I love them because they're just, they're one of those animals that are very misunderstood. Obviously, everyone like knows what an opossum is, but people honestly don't really know anything about them Mm -hmm. um, and why they're so cool and so amazing. But my favorite animals, I think, there that I worked with were some of the birds. I've never been a bird person, but our parrots were, I just like was obsessed with them. I loved them so much. Um, And our alligators were really cool too to work with. That's awesome. Very cool. So real quick, why, why are, um, and I'm with you on this, by the way, I've, I've helped, uh, Zoe and I have done some work with the rescue and releasing some like injured possums and even some baby possums back into the wild. Uh, so I'm with you, but, but tell my listeners, why are possums so cool? A, they're freaking cute. I don't care what anybody says. They're so cute. Yeah. Especially babies. Um, but they're like the ultimate animal. They, usually cannot catch rabies so they can keep other animals away especially if they're like your backyard is freaking amazing they have the potential to keep other animals away um they're immune to snake venom so if you have a you want snakes around because they're also helping take care of pests um but they eat snakes they can eat venomous snakes venomous snakes other than coral snakes can bite them and they're not affected by it Um, they freaking love ticks. They just vacuum them up. Um, so they keep you and your pet safe. They're not going to get Lyme disease or any diseases that Lyme's generally give to animals and other people. Um, and they're just really cool. And they're our only marsupials, which is amazing. And they can have 13 babies and then they give them piggyback rides and it's (laughs) extra cuteness. So true. I did not know the snake bite fact. That's really cool. Yeah. I love learning new stuff. Thank you for yes. that. That's awesome. Yeah. Coral. I say coral snakes are like their kryptonite, but other right. than that, like other than them not living very long and basically being blind their whole life, like they are the ultimate animal. They're so cool. <laughs> That's so awesome. So, okay. So you're at Fort Worth, you're, you're moving up in the world a little bit. You're hanging out with your favorite birds and, and, and your po- you're a possum. Yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, for those listening, there is a difference between an opossum and a possum. They are different animals. They live in different parts of the world. Uh, spend a second and Google it. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. But so anyway, okay. So then what brought your time at Fort Worth to an end? And did you go right to Nashville from there or, or where to I next? I did. Um, so Fort Worth was awesome. And it's a great zoo. If anyone out there is like an intern or looking for a full-time gig, um, Fort Worth is awesome at hiring people because and no matter what field you're in, I know everyone run in, runs into the situation of, I need my first full-time gig, but they want you to have full-time experience. But like, how, how is this possible? I don't understand. Like, everyone has to deal with that. <laughs> and then zookeeping is hard because it's also competitive and you're dealing with that. Um, but Fort Worth is awesome at hiring in people that don't have much experience. Um so the only thing is that they do kind of have a high turnover because people just go in to get their experience and go somewhere else. Um, so it's a great place to do that. Um, and they're changing a lot too. They're like getting, obviously they've kind of been ahead of the game. Like it's a very old zoo. They were some of the first 
they were one of the first zoos to do the natural looking habitats and things like that. And I think right now they're catching up a lot with um, animal training. If you're talking about like large carnivores and things like that. Um, So I, yeah, so I just kind of saw it as I knew I wasn't going to be there for very long. What really pushed me away is just that it was Texas and I hate summertime. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I hate the heat. Like it still got cold in the winter. It just didn't get super cold in the winter and the cool season was uh, like shorter. Um, It obviously gets super hot in the summer, but the DFW area, Dallas, Fort Worth does not get super humid. It gets humid, but honestly it gets more humid in Columbus, Ohio than it does in Fort Worth. Um, but the heat definitely in the sun is a lot more intense. Um, so I knew I wanted to leave. So I was applying for a lot of places, probably off and on for like two years, one and a half year, one and a half year, one and a half years. (laughs) Um, so I was, I think I ended up being there for about three and a half years. Um, so I was applying to lots of different places. Um, I actually applied to the Nashville zoo and came down here for an interview or came up here for an interview and didn't get the position. Um, and Nashville is also another one of those zoos that's really good about hiring in interns and other people are moving people around. So one of their previous interns actually got the spot that I was applying for, which sucks for me, but it's awesome for people that are already here and have already interned. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had decided because I had moved to Texas, not knowing anybody at all, which obviously I made my friends. Um, There was a family that I babysat for. They are my Texas family. I still talk to them all the time. Um, Their mom brought the boys up to visit me last year and we hung out. Um, So it was a lot of fun. But so I definitely missed them. So it was recently after that that I had decided because, again, I didn't know anyone there and I didn't know anyone here that I was just going to apply to zoos where at least I knew people and could have that support system. Um, So I had decided that I was only going to apply to the Woodland Park Zoo, which also has like no turnover rate because they're amazing. They are Um, so amazing. Yeah. I decided I was only going to apply there at the Cincinnati Zoo and the Columbus Zoo because I would still to this day love to go back to the Columbus Zoo. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I think it was like three weeks after I decided that. Nashville actually reached out to me and said, Hey, um, we ha- we're having another position that's opening back up again. Would you be interested? We don't have to interview you again. We just need a phone conversation. So that's what we did. So I figured it would take probably about two weeks for them to get back with me because they were interviewing other people. Um, but it was only, so I figured I would have time to really think about it. Do I want to move to Nashville? Cause it's also expensive to live here. Um, they called me back like two days later and they're like, Oh, you got the job. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Let me like, uh, can I have a while to think about it? Cause I just, again, I thought I was going to have plenty of time to think about it. Um, which I think like the next day I made up my mind. So I called back and I was like, okay, I'll take it. I'll do it. Um, which was awesome. Cause that's, it's a lot closer to Ohio. I also have family that live in Kentucky, my mom and my brother, and some more cousins live in Mount Sterling. So that's a four-hour drive. And then it's only six hours on up to Columbus. Nice. Yeah. So a lot closer. And again, and the zoo is growing so much. They don't even, like, it's already an amazing zoo. And half of the land hasn't even been developed yet. And then the department that I'm now in, the behavioral husbandry department, um, we are still growing. So when I started two years ago now, 
we just had the one building and then this other building where our bentrongs used to live. Um, there, there was only a few animals up there and then an outdoor area, but, um, they were talking about plans of a new building, which that finally just opened, I guess a year ago now, or a little less than a year ago. So we have a lot more new animals and there's still plans to get more animals in. So I, it's very exciting to be a part of a zoo that's growing. So obviously we're going to suffer through some growing pains, but in the end, it's 100% going to be worth it. That's really awesome. Yeah, I always think it's interesting when you see um, zoos sometimes having to make choices because building buildings takes a long time and all of that. Uh, St. Louis just announced on Twitter that they're shutting down their children's zoo area to to rebuild. And um, I'm devastated. It's one of my favorite places in any zoo in the country that I've ever been to. Uh, and eventually it will be bigger and better. But for the next two or three years, as they rebuild stuff, it's just going to be one of those dinosaur exhibits. And it's exactly. like- it's like, I see, you know, overall the growth is important, but also guys, ow, that hurts my soul. But yeah. I know it's going to be amazing what they're doing. And I know the amount that, of energy and, and thought that goes into these master plans. So, you know, yeah. that, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I love that you're in, uh, you're so excited about the growth at Nashville. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and I know some people, cause I'm pretty sure we had tigers here before and then they had to leave because they were redoing exhibits so it was the same thing people were upset and sad that there were no tigers but now they're finally back um and people love our jungle gym area and they just closed that down and it's i'm not sure how long it's going to take um but i mean it is like it's pretty big and they it's it looks like a fort i don't know it's crazy (laughs) um it's really awesome so people are really upset that it's closed Um, but they are completely renovating it and they're adding this whole area to make it accessible to severely handicapped children. Um, so it's just completely changing the game. So it like, it sucks, but in the end it's going to be like so worth it. Yeah, exactly. And I know I, um, when I was at Nashville, uh, last year, the, the tiger exhibit was one of my favorites. So yeah, even though it sucks that they had to go away and stuff now, what is there is, is incredible. Oh, I love it. there so much. Yeah. I might even like the tiger exhibit there more than the bear exhibit. I know that's kind of, uh, everyone's favorite, but that tiger area just got my heart. I just loved it. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. So now on your, your career path, you are at Nashville and, um, and you get to work with all kinds of awesome animals. So take a minute and tell me about a couple of your favorites at the zoo. Yes. Uh, my all time favorite (laughs) that I work with right now is our porcupine. Um, he, his name is Charlie and he just turned 10 years old yesterday. And I have been like, the pictures are so cute on Instagram. I love him. I posted a YouTube video for his birthday yesterday too. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I'm obsessed with him. He's a prehensile tail porcupine. And so they, he's an animal that a lot of people don't know what he is, or they'll question like, that's not a porcupine, is it? Um, we're like, yeah, cause he just, he obviously doesn't look anything similar to any porcupine people are familiar with. Cause if right. they're familiar with non, uh, North American ones, like usually they know of one of the crested species, like African or Indian crested porcupine. So he looks Super weird. A lot of people ask if he's a hedgehog. Um, but I <laughs> love him so much. He just, I don't even know if there's like a real reason behind it. I feel like I am drawn to people, to animals that are misunderstood or people don't really know anything about them. And then when they learn about them, they're like, oh my God, this is the coolest animal ever in the entire world. Um, and Charlie's just so freaking cute. People fall in love with him just by looking at his giant squishy nose. 
Um, one of my other favorites that I work with is our crow. Um, he, I don't know. He's just like any Corvid. He's super, super smart, super sassy. If he doesn't like you, he like will fly at your head. Like <laughs> a crow outside would if you messed with it. Um, he's just crazy. Sometimes he'll go to the ground and like try to attack people's legs too. But, um, I've always had like a decent relationship with him. I always like sing to him all the time whenever I'm coming in with him. Um, so he's just always been like, Oh, it's Johnny, like whatever. Um, but now with this COVID thing and us being split up, he, um, no longer gets to see his primary trainer that often. And so I spend a lot of time with him and he just like has completely changed and he has this special call that he does when he sees me and he wants me to pet him that he'll do a certain call and he'll put his head down and then he'll just follow me around one day I was just trying to clean and I wasn't petting him so he jumped onto my back and I was like oh my god Oliver um but he just I love him he's just so smart and so sassy and just like I don't know he just does what he wants obviously too he's so smart that's awesome I love that so much um I, I, one thing that I love is, is, and one thing that I've learned a lot of recently is that, you know, there are all these species and there, there, there are millions of species and subspecies and all that stuff. And there, there's so many similarities, like what you just described with your crow friend, uh-huh. that's my puppy Lexi. Yeah. She will swat at me and bat me until I pet her when she's ready to be petted. And it doesn't matter what's going on. And and right. Lexi is is a long-haired chihuahua. Yeah. And um, I constantly, uh, on my Instagram, post pictures of lions and snow leopards and other cool big cats. And then the stories I hear about the, them from zookeepers are, yeah, they're kittens. They are they are just like your house cats, only way bigger. And right. uh, it cracks me up how there's all this incredible diversity in the animal world, but then in some ways they're all kind of the Very same. Very similar. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I find that amazing. So, oh, yeah. um, speaking of your your animals that are you're taking care of right now, and and how I found you online uh-huh. is by stumbling across a couple of caracal kittens oh, yeah. that you're taking care of, and yeah. I have. I don't know what it is, but I've come to realize about myself that I love ear tufts. Binturongs yeah. are one of my favorite animals. Caracals I adore. It's just, if, if you have tufted ears, I'm I'm all about it. So, yeah. so tell me about these kittens and what that's been like. Oh, they are so adorable. I, this is, so that's the other amazing thing about coming here and the zoo growing is that I'm working with so many animals that I've never worked with before. Um, like I've never worked with um, bear cats or bintrongs. I like kind of worked with a sloth before, but not very as much as I work with our sloth now. Um, so caracals or just kittens in general is like a brand new thing for me. They're the cutest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And those ear tufts make them a billion times cuter. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's amazing. And honestly, since I've been working with them and just posting pictures on them, um, like you said, that was what made uh me stand out to you it's been like that with a lot of other people I actually had um a producer of access daily reach out to me because she saw some I think an interview I did with someone and the pictures of the caracals and she was like can you make an appearance on the access daily show with the caracals and I was like well I had I've, I'll talk to the zoo but that would be awesome and so that happened and it aired and that was like amazing again like yay for social media being able to get you out there exactly that's so cool yeah because otherwise i'd never would have ever been on national tv um but they 
I don't, there's such a learning experience too. Um, cause you, again, they are similar to like a pet. You have to redirect them. They're kittens, they're babies. They're trying to learn what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. So they want to use their claws and their teeth, which on each other is fine. Um, but unlike a dog, even the biggest of dogs, like they're going to be a lot more dangerous if you don't kind of deter those behaviors. So it's been a lot of fun, I guess, and interesting to try to deter behaviors because they're just, again, they're just growing and learning. Um, and it's fun to watch how quickly they learn and how quickly they're developing as well. So one of our um, keepers in another department I met up with yesterday so she could meet the baby Kirikles. Um, and she was like, you, do you have an issue with them like using their claws and their teeth on you? And honestly, we, we don't because I think we kind of were really good about it in the very beginning that they are so smart and know that they're not really supposed to be doing that. They'll still go after our shoes sometimes. We're like, no, no, play with this bone or something instead or this toy. Um, but yeah, it's just so fun to watch them because they're so much more agile now that they're almost three months old, but they're still so insanely clumsy. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch them grow. That's awesome. And what are their names? Uh, Zane and Samir. Awesome. That's so cool. And uh, if people want to see some of those pictures or uh, your your videos or whatever, where are some places they can check you out? Yeah. So for the most part, A, if you just Google my name or like type my name in anything, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, you spell my name J-A-W-N-I-E. There are people out there with that spelling, but there aren't that many. You're going to find me. Um, but for the most part, under anything and everything, you can find me under Zookeeper Johnny. So I have my Instagram. I have a Facebook page. I have a YouTube channel. I have Twitter. I'm really bad about getting on Twitter, though. But yeah, so exciting. Yeah, same. I don't I don't use the Rossafari Twitter. I have it, and I think yeah. I auto-post to it every once in a while, but okay. I'm all about that Instagram life. So yes. yeah, yes. very cool. Yes, it is well worth worth the follow. Um, not only is is Johnny very interesting and has cool stuff, but uh, oh goodness, the Caracals. I'm just, yes. I'm all about them. They are yeah. so good. Um, so to move away from animals a little bit for a second, um, mm-hmm. we're in some, uh, some interesting times right now. And um, I don't know if you know this about yourself, but you are a black zookeeper. What? <laughs> <laughs> right? And um, in my experience, it's, it's pretty rare to see that. So I'm curious if, uh, how that has impacted your life at all. Yeah. Um, it is like very interesting. It's one of those things where I mean, I feel like if you grow up in a community where you're, you're the only one, you almost kind of get used to it unless you really think about it. Um, so I think like when I first started in my zoo career, I didn't necessarily notice because if you go to a zoo, there are plenty of there's plenty of diversity. But if you go and look at the animal keepers or anyone really anywhere in any animal or like outdoor career, it's there are not that many people of color, whether you're black or Hawaiian or whatever, Asian, there just aren't that many of us, especially in the United States. Um, so I probably really like realized that honestly, when I moved to Texas, um, everyone knew who I was and I was like, what the heck? And I was like, Oh, like this makes sense. Like the, (laughs) the director of the zoo is very, very nice, but he would always be like, Oh, Hey Johnny, how are you? And other people that were higher up would say hi. And I, a, I'm so bad at, at remembering people's names. So whenever people say that, I'm like, oh, hey, and like pretend like I know them. Like, apparently you've already met me. So I'm just going to pretend like I know who you are. But then they usually are like, oh, no, like you don't know me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
Um, but yeah, but there are people that worked there for years and he never knew what their name was. Um, so it was like very obvious that that's why I even got, uh, requested for some program sometimes, I think just to like show their diversity. Um, when, if it's like a school group, I think that's a great idea, especially, um, if you're going out into inner city schools, like, yes, take someone who, um, represents the majority of them so they can see like, Hey, there are people like me and like you that do do things like this. Um, so definitely I've gotten a lot more into representation obviously matters. I mean, anyone out there, you could say that for anything like, um, right now they're making Barbie dolls that are missing an arm or have vitiligo. And it's just things that kids, even kids, like you never really think about it. But then when you see someone like you or like, Oh, a woman is doing that. I'm a girl. I can do that too. Um, I think it's very important to be able to do that. So it's nice because at Nashville, um, I, I openly, a lot of us at the zoo, because I am the only black keeper right now, like we all just openly talk about it. Like, <laughs> Oh, if you need some diversity in that uh, picture video, like <laughs> I can add to it for you. Um, but we all openly talk about it. So I talk about it a lot with my supervisors. Um, so it makes them more comfortable because sometimes we do a lot of inner city things um, and they're like, would you like to do this? And like, is that, that's not like wrong of me to ask. Right? I'm like, if your heart's in the right spot, like, no, like 100%, if you're going to go into a community where people need to learn that people that look like them can do this too as an option. Um, and again, it's not just like you can do it because I'm doing it. It's just sometimes you just make that connection. You see someone that's similar to you um, and you want to do that. So it's definitely been a big thing, which I think is making me try to have a bigger voice um, and start my YouTube channel and, and do post a lot more to Instagram so that people out there can be like, Oh, you know, she's a girl doing this or she's a black girl doing this and, and things like that and open up people's eyes, hopefully. Very cool. Yeah, I'm amazed at how much. So I am I am white, male, cis, <laughs> straight. But, you know, I, I um I actually have a vitiligo myself. And oh, really? um as I've gotten older, it's become more obvious and more um especially in the summer, those parts just don't tan and you can really mm -hmm. see it. Yeah. And um I was, you know, embarrassed by it and, and struggled with it. And um, then I started finding uh, some models that have mm -hmm. it. And there's actually a dog on Instagram that has it that I follow as well. It's a black lab with vitiligo. Yeah. And it's amazing. And it has made me feel so comfortable with mm -hmm. myself to see that kind of representation. And, you know, like I said, my background is not one where I normally would have to worry about representation too much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, having that in my life has really helped me feel mm -hmm. just better about who I am and, and be like, oh, yeah, it's it's OK that I can. I, I, it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, do you have any thoughts or suggestions on what can be done to get more um, black, indigenous and people of color into the zookeeping field and animal world in general? Yeah, I feel like a that's kind of hard, like trying to think about how to do that. But honestly, just I think getting people of color's voices out there um, to see that like it's even such a career. So again, like I keep bringing up inner city schools because obviously a lot of people of color are stuck within the city. Sometimes you don't even realize I never knew zookeeping was a career until I went to the zoo when I was, I don't 
probably like 20, I guess. I don't even know how old I was. Um, so I think just getting people's voices out there and on a bigger platform is I think what could draw more people of any color or any background into a field. Um, especially like animals. I just, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of like, I don't know, what, like stigma or whatever behind like black people and animals or black people and being outside. Um, so yeah, honestly, I'm sure there are a lot of other people with like better ideas, but I feel like just getting people out there on a bigger platform is the best thing. Um, and like a few of us it has nothing to do with like people of color, but one of the things that's really weird is that the zookeeping world is dominated by females. But, um, if you look at any big well-known person, um, on TV, it's a white male. And like, that is not representative of the, the animal field at all. Um, so I think just a getting women out there or a person of color, like, um, I don't, have you talked about doing a, a an episode with jungle Jordan? Um, I've, I've reached out and talked a little bit. I think he's incredible, but since he started doing stuff with, with Rick at San Diego zoo safari park, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, he's probably not going to want to make the time for me, but he's so cool. I love him so much. And I love the stuff those two do together. Yeah. So it's just like a whole another thing. Like he is a black male. So that's also even a smaller part of it. So even though men are kind of at the top of the platform, um, he has the whole other aspect of being a, a black male. And so that's even a smaller portion of the animal career, um, which is really awesome. But yeah, yeah no, that's I feel like really cool. promoting people's voices and stuff, I think would be at least for right now, like the biggest thing. Makes sense. That's awesome. That's uh, that's yeah. some great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah, I yeah. often find um, talking about how how female dominated the industry is. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny to me because one of my goals with the podcast is to have as much diversity as possible. I want different sexual yeah. orientations and color and gender and all the things. Yeah. And um, early on, as I started talking to people, I was like, white chick check white chick check white yeah. and i was like okay, okay i see what's happening here yeah. and yeah. it also makes it a little weird for me um when i'm talking to people like i will go up to a keeper and start mm -hmm. talking and then if the opportunity comes up mention the podcast that's how i've gotten some of my interviews most are on instagram yeah but i always feel like i need to be like hey i'm john oh and i have a girlfriend oh and i'm not a creepy stalker guy i <laughs> yeah. promise i just i have a um I have a podcast. I'm not using it to hit on you right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because you're right. It's all like mostly younger, female, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very interesting to see. Yeah. That's not what I would have expected. My guess uh, before I started going to so many zoos was that it was going to be a bunch of grizzled old dudes. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's just not the case, which is right. definitely good for the industry. So Yeah. Because I'm cool. sure that's what it was once upon a time. Um but yeah, like the field is completely changed, but, and hopefully one day, I think it will, one day it'll be represented that way. People will know who, who we are, um, in this field. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, I like to end each interview with what I like to call my poop story <laughs> and it doesn't actually have to be about poop, but, yeah. um, a disgusting story or two, if you've got them, of just something that you went through with an animal that was gross, but also kind of hilarious? Yeah, um, I guess I have two. They're not like super nasty. Um, and I'm sure like as soon as we like a week later, I'll be like, ah, oh, dang, I forgot about the story. <laughs> I mean, we just like we deal with poop every single day. Um, and again, they're not super gross, but 
you know, we like, we deal with a lot of stuff. I have a lot of allergies. I'm allergic to half animals we work with. <laughs> I actually got poked with, um, one of Charlie's quills the other day, um, which I've done in my fingers before, but he ac- accidentally got me in the hand and I actually had a reaction. I had hives climb my arm and I was like, Oh God, I had to go find my supervisor. Cause I also couldn't pull it out. And I was like, you have to pull this out of my hand. And I had to go like take Benadryl and I was falling asleep all day and I had to leave early. <laughs> it was crazy. But anyways, um, so I just like things sometimes affect me a lot more. And this was when I was in Fort Worth, we were taking care of a kinkajou, which we have a kinkajou at our, where I work now as well. Um, but his name was Benji. I always called him Benjamin Button because he like, <laughs> I don't know, he, he's a weirdo and he was grumpy all the time, but I was hosing poop off of his shelf, which they like, they have like some solid poop, but sometimes they'll get yummy stuff. And then it's just, it's not diarrhea poop, but it's like wet poop everywhere. And it's just disgusting. And they also, they're not primates, but they're kind of like primates. So I swear they probably play in it too. And like (laughs) white stuff with it. Um, but I was spraying it and the water shot back and hit me in my open eyeball. So I was like screaming and someone was like, what's wrong? And I was like, Benji poop in my eye. And I swear I was going to get pink. eye. I was like, I'm going to get pink eye. But nothing ever happened. So I was safe. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. Shot into my open eye. And I was like, I didn't even close my eye. It went into my eyeball. God, it was so nasty. It was this one. It was my, my right eye. I will never forget. I was terrified. Um, I guess another poop story that was freaking nasty. I don't even know how it happened. Um, me and my work bestie Kira that I worked with at Fort Worth. Um, we had one of our opossums out and we were trying to clip her nails and we had a hold of her and we would wear, they give us these zip up hoodies. So like the pockets are on the side somehow, like sometimes animals will stress poop. Um, and Cher was the one it was Sonny's, um, sister Cher. Uh, (laughs) yeah, we were clipping her nails and she pooped. So we just like kind of missed it and it went on the floor and we're like, okay. Um, like a, thankfully she didn't poop on us, which, you know, we all get pooped on every once in a while, especially when we work with animal ambassadors, we get peed on, we get pooped on, we get barfed on, like whatever, all of the things. Um, so we were done with her and we put her back and we were standing in the kitchen and Kira goes to put her hands in her pocket. So the turd that fell on the floor was like a solid turd, but the rest of the poop that we did not see was stress poop and it had all gone inside of her pocket. So she pulled her hand out and her hand was covered in stress poop. It was so (laughs) disgusting. Oh my God. It was the best thing ever though. I don't know how it just all went into her pocket. That side of her sweatshirt was clean. It just like (laughs) gone into the pocket and was there waiting for her hand. All right. Targeted stress poop. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. So good. Um, so do you have anything that you want to promote? Any final message that you want to give or any conservation organizations that you want to throw some love to before we uh, call it quits? Sure. Um, I guess if if you're thinking that like you are just one person and how can you change the world with any aspects so of conservation or whatever, um, I, if you have a passion for it, just do it. Like, don't, don't care about what other people say. If you do have a passion about it and you have a platform, talk about it with people, but also like even just something as simple as recycling, 
if you're around people enough and they see you recycling, sometimes that one little thing will spark someone else and you don't know who that eventually is going to get to. That person might be the next whatever, like someone that ends up being a millionaire and is like, I'm going to take plastic out of the ocean or whatever. (laughs) Um, Or maybe they'll start a chain reaction as well. Um, So, you know, you're not just one person. Like if you do something, someone else is going to catch on whether you talk to them about it or not. Um, uh, I don't, both of us love red pandas, I guess, check out red panda network whenever COVID's not happening. I think I know a lot of times you can do uh, trips with them, like conservation trips, which I actually kind of looked into. Um, but I actually just started grad school with project dragonfly. So I'm going to be able um, to do earth expedition courses the next three summers doing nice. fun things. I love yeah. Project Dragonfly. I've thought about doing it myself. Uh, my best friend just got accepted and is going to be oh. starting it in a couple of weeks. And um, I did an I interview with uh, Kara McSweeney, who I'm guessing you know. I know she was at Nashville uh, before heading on out. I'm not sure if you've met. I feel like I know that name. Again, I'm horrible with names. Sure, if sure, I sure. Her, like, oh, yeah, I know her. Right. But um, yeah, but she is also a, uh, a PD uh, grad, and we talked a lot about it on the podcast. So I'm, yes. I'm excited for that episode to come out. Yeah, it's such a cool organization. Yeah, you should definitely do it. I have been wanting to do it for years, um, but finally this was the year and I was like, okay, like I've been wanting to do it for a really long time. So you should do it also. <laughs> That's awesome. I will I will take that under advisement for sure. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was awesome. It was so cool to e-meet you and I look forward to coming down to Nashville and hanging out with you, Jake, Melinda, and all the awesome animals. Yeah, so it'll be so much fun. And you'll have to meet Charlie too. Yes, please. Silver in Adelaide. <laughs> oh, I, I want to meet literally everyone oh, and everything. And the um, obviously. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, I've had uh, a couple experiences. I did an interview recently at the Good Zoo, and um, the the director there uh, is this amazing guy. And we did an interview, and then he just took me through the whole zoo, and and basically so awesome. anyone that I could touch, I got to. I had lemurs yeah. and red pandas and kangaroos, and uh, it was insane. It was an hour and a half of just playing with animals, and it was that- the best day. <laughs> yes, that sounds like a dream come true. Absolutely. It's so awesome. But, yeah. And then we have some animals that usually you can meet that are like, obviously zoos have them, but they're also not common in zoos. Like we have an aardvark in our department. You can uh-huh. meet Wenzel, which people, he's from Cincinnati and people still are obsessed with him. Like he has his Cincinnati following group still. Um <laughs> And then we have an Okapi too that does meet and greets, which is awesome. Nice. I have I have gotten to be hands on with an Okapi before, and it is an amazing experience. I would love to do that again. They're so velvety. Yes, and the thing like I will ours is quasi. I'll pet him a couple times, but I honestly hate the feel of velvet, so I can't. I literally I do like two swipes and I'm done. (laughs) I can't do it. It sucks though. He's so cute and sweet. Oh yeah, I love Okapi. They're amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. We'll hang out soon once, yes. once the world's normal again. Yes. All right, All right. Take care. Thank you so much for having me. One of my favorite things about the zoo people I have encountered is how incredibly open and honest they all are. Whether it's sharing their embarrassing stories or talking about issues like euthanasia or the lack of diversity in the industry, I find it very easy to have deep discussions with many of the people I've talked to for this podcast, and Johnny certainly didn't disappoint in that department. Once again, remember to check her out at Zookeeper Johnny, spelled J-A-W-N-I-E, on YouTube, Instagram, and all the other social media platforms. And take a look at the Nashville Zoo at Grasmere on Instagram 
at Nashville Zoo. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.